Welcome to The Advance, a podcast on moving towards Christ-like maturity. This podcast takes time to look at how we can posture ourselves to grow in our walk with Christ. It would really help me out if you could share it with your friends and take some time to review it on whatever platform you are either viewing it or hearing it on. Thank you so much and be blessed today. Hello friends and welcome to the Advanced Podcast. My name is Donovan, I'm a pastor in Edmonton, Alberta, and it is an honor to be able to speak into and uh, walk alongside you in your spiritual life with Christ. Uh, we're about four months into this COVID-19 pandemic and um, the the reality is that for the last few months we've been really wrestling with what does it mean to follow Jesus in the midst of this crisis that we're in. And I started this podcast right at the beginning of the government's responses to the pandemic, the government's mandatory periods of isolation and things like that, because I was really asking the question of how do we grow our spiritual walk? How do we continue to posture ourselves and continue to, um, (laughs) here goes the fire trucks right by my office. How do we continue to, uh, to grow in our walk with God, even when we can't gather together as followers of Jesus every week? Um, we are now spread out. We're scattered across the city. Each Sunday we're meeting. Uh, finally, the restrictions are starting to loose, so some churches are already starting to gather. Uh, some people are, are having others in their homes with them. But uh, the reality is that whether or not we can gather on a Sunday morning, um, our spiritual life is something that impacts and influences every area of our lives. And so we've been spending some time Uh, throughout these last few months really looking at different spiritual practices and how do we grow and foster them in our life and uh, before I get into today's spiritual conversation as we talk about parenting uh, and how we parent as an expression of our spirituality uh, one of the things that I wanted to do was just address some of the issues that we're seeing right now in the world Uh, I was just over a week ago that George Floyd was um, was murdered by a police officer and um, there's been phenomenal response to this, and I say phenomenal both in a positive and in a negative way. And in a positive way, the response has been that I think there's been an awakening in a lot of people who maybe haven't thought about racism or haven't given it a serious, uh, they haven't given themselves serious self-examination. Um, they haven't been aware of just how deeply systemic some issues of racism are. And they've been speaking out. They've been starting to hear stories. They've been starting to tell stories. People have been uh, kind of awakened to this. And it's no longer on the back burner for a lot of people. It's now right front and center. Um, So that's kind of been some of the positive response. But some of the negative has been that the violence that was perpetrated against George Floyd has been (laughs) perpetrated by by others. And um, and it's kind of been this anger that has led to more anger, which is really sad. And and I think um, as followers of Christ, we're called to something higher. We're called to something really different. And um, first off, I just want to say I absolutely condemn racism in any form. Uh, we've been created in the image of God. All humanity is being created in God's image. And uh, there's no one race above another race. God has created us all beautifully, created us all with gifts, created us all with wonder. We are his masterpieces. And, um, and, and, the picture that we see in the New Testament is of unity between races. Um, one of the things that I think, or one of the, not that that I think, one of the things that the Bible, one of the the overarching stories of Scripture, is how God is inviting all tribes and all nations into worship. Um, in fact, in the Book of Acts, after the Holy Spirit is poured out, there's story, a story where 
the Jews who didn't like the Gentiles or, or those who were non-Jews. There was actually probably a lot of racism between Jews and non-Jews and the other way around. Um, but because of that, a lot of the Jews that became Christians didn't think that people who weren't Jews could also become Christians. Uh, there was that racism. There was that hatred. There was that fear in some ways of them. And there's this amazing story where Peter uh, has a dream. And in this dream, he sees a vision of of unclean food. So food that uh, non-Jews would eat, but Jews wouldn't eat, falling before him on a sheet. And um, Peter sees all this unclean food, like bacon and all these things that we would consider very yummy these days. And, um, and God says to Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, this is unclean. And then God says, no, what I have made clean, do not say is unclean. Rise, kill and eat. And so Peter has this dream and he has this dream three times. So Peter, who's a devout Jew who would never have eaten that food, that's Gentile food. The people that eat that food are the people that I'm scared of that I don't like. And um, what happens is Peter has this dream three times. He wakes up from this dream and there's a knock at his door. And the people at the door worked for a Gentile named Cornelius. And he invited Peter into his home to come and share the gospel with him. And so Peter comes into his home right after having this dream, shares the gospel with Cornelius, and he accepts Christ. And not only that, but he begins to speak in tongues, which was for them a sign that they had received this new outpouring of God. And um, and and you, you keep reading through Acts and, and you can see this tension between Jews and Gentiles that the Bible just keeps on saying, we, we can't have that. That's not what this is about. God is inviting all of his people into relationship with him. And at the very end of the Bible in Revelation, there's a, a story or John is taken up into heaven and he sees what's happening before God. And he sees every tribe, every nation, every tongue worshiping God, all dressed in white, all made pure before God, worshiping him. Uh, they were waving palm branches, which was a sign of, of honoring a king. And they're saying, this is our one king. We are all together. We are one together. And I think the important thing as we think about racism, as we think about the, um, the reality of, uh, of hatred and of fear that is so prevalent in our society today, um, I think rather than getting caught up in more anger and just letting that cycle of violence grow, I think we're invited to a different way. Uh, when Jesus was on the cross, the people that were nailing him to that cross, it says that he, Jesus could have called down a legion of angels to, to set him free from the cross. But he didn't do that. He actually pray, prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And so my invitation to us as followers of Christ in the midst of, of a season like this is to, to check our own hearts, to say, God, search my heart. See if there's anything in me that is racist, that fears the other, that would put myself above others and help me to walk in righteousness. Um, help me to, to live out in such a way that my life reflects you to these people, um, even the perpetrators. Now, I, I don't want to sound too controversial, um, but one of the resources that I want to recommend, this is an absolutely phenomenal book, but it is so hard to read because it, the stories in it are just heart-wrenching. It's called No Future Without Forgiveness by Desmond Tutu. And I just want to read a little bit from it to you all. Um, and he's talking about apartheid in South Africa. And he's talking about when the this is like intense racism, intense systemic oppression of black people in Africa. And, um, and he was brought on to a committee, the Truth and Reconciliation um, Committee, to, to help restore and bring peace to the people of South Africa. 
and uh, he's writing about the perpetrators and he says this theology reminded me that however diabolical the act it does not turn the perpetrator into a demon we had to distinguish between the deed and the perpetrator between the sinner and the sin to hate and condemn the sin while being filled with compassion for the sinner the point is that if the perpetrators were be to despair as monsters and demons then we were letting accountability go out the window because we were declaring they were not moral agents to be held responsible for the deeds they had committed theology said that they still despite the awfulness of their deeds remain children of god with the capacity to repent to be able to change otherwise we should as a commission have shut up shop since we are operating on the premise that people could change recognize and acknowledge the error of their ways and experience contrition or at least remorse at what would be at some point constrained to confess the dastardly conduct and ask for forgiveness christians are constrained by the imperatives of this gospel the good news of a god who had a bias for sinners contrary to the normal standards of the world the god in jesus christ scandalized the prim and proper ones because he companioned with not with the respectable not with the elite but with the scums and the dregs those occupying the fringes of society the prostitutes the sinners the ostracized ones None of us in my theology could ever consign anyone to hell as being ultimately irredeemable. Um I wanted to read that to you because I think it's really important for us in the midst of this and as we think about how we can respond I think the first thing that we need to do is see that that racism is sin and that sin exists in our own hearts. And so I think one of the first things we're invited into is to say God is there anything in my own heart that I need to repent of that I need to give to you that I need to offer to you today so that I can be in right relationship with you and so that I can be an agent of reconciliation in the world so that I can actually partner with you and what you're doing in building relationships with people and hearing their stories and growing with them um not not to just post something on Facebook and say I stand with them yeah that's good that's important to do but to actually be an agent of change in how we live our life with our neighbors with the people that we work with the people that we see regularly Um another really meaningful book is James Davison Hunter's book To Change the World and essentially what this book is is it's about it's about 3 or 400 pages about how we've tried to change the world as followers of Christ we've tried to see systemic change but ultimately have failed and um his final chapter is just phenomenal he says we've tried all these things to change society but what's really going to change the world is Christians being faithful to wherever God has placed them uh he called he calls this faithful presence in place in our neighborhoods with the people that we see regularly that's where we got to start uh it's got to start there we're going to change the world not through a facebook post uh we're going to change the world through listening through hearing stories through building friendships relationships and ultimately through embodying the gospel of jesus telling the gospel of jesus and seeing him set people free racism is a symptom of the disease of sin racism is not going to go away because it's an expression of sinfulness. We can't just will it away. Racism is going to go away as Christ reveals the reality of everyone being made in God's image. Um if we just fight racism with anger, it's just going to create more tension and more disunity. And so my encouragement to us as followers of Jesus is to pray Psalm 139, "Search me, O God, and know my heart; test me and know my anxious thoughts." see if there's any unright way in me and lead me in the path everlasting. Uh one more book I will re- recommend um but definitely recommending <laughs> in a uh with a disclaimer. It's not an easy book to read. It's a very difficult book to read. Um 
scholarly level. It's an amazing book. It's by Miroslav Volf. It's called Exclusion and Embrace. And, um, and I love what he says. His book, he basically is is wrestling with what it looks like for us as followers of Jesus to embrace the other and to to not fear others. And uh, he, he goes against some of the things that that we do that create us and them mentalities as, as followers of Jesus. And he basically says, we, we can't live that way. That's not the way of Christ. And he says this in regards to racial uh, unity. He says, in order to keep our allegiance to Jesus Christ pure, we need to nurture commitment to the multicultural community of Christian churches. We need to see ourselves and our own understanding of God's future with the eyes of Christians from other cultures, listen to their voices, listen to the voices of Christians from other cultures so that to make sure the voice of our culture has not drowned out the voice of Jesus Christ, the one word of God. He's essentially saying that each culture has a different voice, a different expression, a different reality of of Christ and who Christ is. And so it's as we embrace that diversity, that's how we grow as followers of Christ. That's how we grow is through embracing unity, through diversity. And it's a true gift um, to be able to be diverse, but to be able to have love and unity with one another. And so I think that's what we're being invited into as followers of Christ, to see that the sin of racism the sin of hatred. We're not going to deal with that through a Facebook post. That's something that's at our heart level. And it's going to come as we start to build relationships with others, as we grow in revelation of who God is and how he's created his children. That's how we're going to deal with racism. And, um, and again, it's the goal is unity. The goal is that we would become one in Christ, that we would be brothers and sisters together, expressing his heart for the world. Um, and so that's all I wanted to share about that today again i highly recommend those three resources none of them are particularly easy to read but they're all they're incredible as as far as how they've shaped how i think and uh, and i highly recommend them to you um but today we're talking about something a little different we've been really focused in on different spiritual disciplines uh of prayer worship and the scriptures and um one of the things that I wrestle with as a parent is how do I do this with two kids under three in my house? <laughs> how do I actually live this out? Um, especially now where my family requires so much of my time and my attention. And when I'm not at work, working, I'm at home working. Uh, it, it's just, it can be really tough. Let's be honest, being a, being a parent, being a family can be tough to really practice spiritual disciplines. And so I, I wanted to bring my friend Amanda on because I believe she really embodies somebody who doesn't make excuses. Uh, somebody who said, you know, this is the stage of life that I'm in. And so rather than waiting until some other stage, because it won't happen then if I don't do it now, rather than just waiting, why don't I just say, how can I in the midst of this season grow as a follower of Christ so that my children are also growing as a follower of Christ? Um, if you're not married yet or you don't have kids yet, I still encourage you to listen. There's a lot of gold in this that I think anyone can and should put into practice because even if you don't have natural children, I believe that we're all invited to have spiritual children, people that look up to us and follow us, uh, people that we're mentoring, people that we're speaking into their lives, uh, regardless of what age we are. Um, so again, it's a little bit of a different conversation today. It is more geared toward parenting and marriage, but I, I believe that it's valuable for anyone. And so just take some time now and listen to my friend and my friend Amanda. She's an amazing person. I'm so grateful that she's taken this time to share with us today. And she also has some really cool things to say about how what God may be inviting us into 
um, as a response to the racial tension that we're seeing these days. And so bless you guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Here's my conversation with Amanda. How's it going, Amanda? I am doing great, Donovan. How are you? Oh, I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for taking some time today while your kids are hopefully resting a little bit. One's slightly resting, three are outside. So <laughs> oh, that's good. It's a beautiful day. So that's it is nice. I see rain clouds though. So we'll see about this. <laughs> yeah, well, so, so you might have some wet kids coming in. And I might have some muddy wet kids coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Um, cool. So before we get into anything too uh, too crazy, I'd just love for you to just introduce yourself. Um, tell, tell me a little about your family and what you're passionate about, uh, just so that those who are listening or watching can just get a feel for who you are. Absolutely. So um, I'll give you a little bit of our background. And it has a lot to do with our walk. So I do have me and Tyler. Tyler's my husband. Uh, we do have 13 kids. Uh, nine are in heaven four here that we get to disciple and walking through all of those losses definitely has brought our faith from just knowledge to literally walking it out and then, um, and growing like it is, it has grown our faith and our trust and our loving God so much. And as our marriage, as our family, and this is really where a lot of these disciplines and these things that we're going to talk about, that's where it comes from is just that. And so I, I used to be a registered nurse. And after my second son was born, I just, I wanted all of them and all of their time is slightly selfish, but I felt like God was moving us towards that. And um, I worked after my first son full time while my husband was in Saskatchewan. So I understand the full time working mom with a little toddler and being pregnant and husband away so like single momness and uh and then we worked really hard so that I could stay at home and it comes with some sacrifices but it's been all good and now we have four from the age of my son just turned 11 May 26 my oldest and my youngest is just turned two and we also homeschool so I stay home uh and I homeschool as well so yeah that's a little bit and Ty owns his own construction business but Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So for those that are, are hearing this, one of the reasons that I wanted to have Amanda on is because I think she really, she embodies what she talks about in regards to family. Um, she really lives it out. Uh, one of the, pretty much any time we've done something to do with family and relationships, I wanted to have Amanda involved um, just because she has a really strong voice towards, towards it. But even more than that, she lives it out. And her kids are amazing. They're awesome. I got to see their baptism and be a part of that. And it was really cool because the, the, her kids are really choosing to profess and follow Christ, even from a young age, which, uh, which I think is really awesome. So, yeah, I wanted to have you on, Amanda, just because I think you really, yeah, like I said, you really, you live it out. You don't just talk about it. And, uh, and I know your passion isn't just that your family would live it out, but that your family would be able to impact other families too. Yes. Yes. Big, yeah. Well, and, and big time, like for me growing up, I didn't have, like I came to faith as a university student and, and one of the things that it actually started, like me and Ty know that this is the mandate on our life. And it actually started before we were even dating. Um, and I, at, McKernan was the first church I ever kind of went to and even there I was on fire going to all three services I just I couldn't get enough but after church it was like oh church is over we don't talk about it anymore and I'm like what do you mean I have so many questions I and I, I found in more uh, more often uh, in most cases that when people have grown up in the church they get a little a little um, I don't want to say stale but they just kind of start to to cruise instead of 
on the incline. And, and that was one thing that I wrestled over um, as we got married. And then as we started thinking about having kids is that I just, I know the passion that I have. I know it, it was because of my experience of not knowing Christ for 21 years of my life and knowing what that life was like and, and, trying to figure out how do I instill that passion in my children, knowing that from the very beginning, they're going to know Christ. <laughs> I'm like, cause there's no chance that they're not. Um, and, and it was, yeah, it was a bit of a, a struggle to try and I'm like, do I not teach them anything and let them hopefully come? I'm like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> and it's like, or do I like, what happens if I bombard them? Cause you hear stories. I, I don't know the background of these stories, but it's like, Christian homes, wonderful parents, and then they have like gothic children. And so you just, you don't really know that setting, but more and more, Holy Spirit was convicting me. He's like, it is harder to walk away from a relationship than just knowledge. And I'm like, all right, let's foster a relationship in them. And so at the very beginning, it's really um, teaching them the, I want to say the, the vocabulary so what does speaking to God mean? What does God's voice mean? What do, like what are those things mean? What is a vision? What is a dream? What is prophecy? Um, what are the apologetics? And just making it a normal part of the vo- vocabulary, but just, and everyone that knows me knows I'm quite passionate. <laughs> so it's like just letting that fire catch in them, but having them grab it and make it authentic to themselves, right? And just, but you need to give space in order to allow them to foster and do that. And I'm seeing it. And I, and, and even at their young age, like they're only 11 and nine and turning six and, and two, and even in haze, I'm seeing it. <laughs> yes. um, and yeah. it's, yeah. And it's beautiful to see, cause it's a struggle, right? Like it's a struggle and it's contended for and, mm-hmm. and it's hard fought, but it's supposed to be Absolutely. right. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, a Bible teacher that I really like talks about how children don't receive a junior Holy Spirit. Yes. Right? Like the same spirit that we receive is in our kids, right? And, and I think there's this level of spiritual awareness that our children have. And so I know for me as a dad, one of my postures is how can I learn from you, my two-year-old, about God? Yes. Well, like, and it's really funny, just as an aside, we've been, I've been recently having her pray the Lord's Prayer with me at night. And so she'll just repeat after me. <laughs> and when we get, yes. to, um, we get to our Father heart in heaven, hallowed be thy name she always says hallowed be my name my name <laughs> like no wait, let's not theologically name. correct that <laughs> be careful be careful <laughs> yeah. But yeah that's awesome i'm looking forward to getting more into that but before we get into yes. some of that stuff um this is a crazy season that we're in right now with yes. uh, covid19 and uh just recently with um the death of George Floyd and some of the racism and uh, some of the response to racism that we're seeing in the United States is really kind of blowing up social media and a lot of different platforms. And uh, I know I spoke to this a little bit in the introduction, but um, before we talk about COVID-19, I just love to hear some of your thoughts on what, uh, rather than like the negative, which I think has been harped on a lot, like what, what's something that you feel God may be trying to teach us or do in mm-hmm. us as his followers in regards to what's happening with racial tension in the world. I know it's not just in the U.S., it's everywhere. And so yeah. what are some of your thoughts on that? I've got to say, like, during this whole thing, there was a bunch of global, uh, national too, like Canada was doing this national prayer group, and there was also this global prayer group. And if you, they have it on YouTube, I think it was the Watchmen mm-hmm. were the ones that were doing it, or the Cry with uh, Fatine. 
but I, I pretty much bald the entire time. So I definitely have a, I have black and Native American in my family background. My mom's side has Bayesians of Barbados that were slaves brought over from Africa. Um, and my dad has the French, but so he's Métis. So French and then, and then the, the Native American. And um, it was the most beautiful thing <laughs> I've ever seen. Uh, and I believe that's the heart of God. And that's why it's being contended in a big time and always has been is because when they were doing the national, so they started um, in the far, I always get my directions wrong. We live in the West, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they started in the far East and each hour had a different province. And in every province, it had our Native American brothers and sisters. It had ethnicity like across the board and they were praying together. They were repenting of disunity. They were, they were loving on each other. They were blessing each other. And, and I'm like, I, I read a lot of books about spiritual warfare and even taking our cities for God. And it's this, this, the church. So before it can happen outside of the church, it has to happen within the church. And so you have representatives of the body of Christ mm -hmm. on a Canadian scale, on a global scale, and they are repenting on behalf of their ethnic group, on behalf of their race, on behalf of um, their sexuality, like men and women, fathers and mothers, all of these things, and they are repenting. And I just, I bawled wow. because it represents like all of God's, everything was represented there and they were they were loving each other and i'm like this that's it right like when you talk about the the um the wedding feast of christ and the true body of christ and everyone is sitting down together and it is in unity and it is beautiful because we are not all white right and not that that not a white person isn't a bad thing it's like diversity yeah. among all of them and it is beautiful and that is what god sees because he sees christ Totally. Right. And Christ is all of our colors. And it, it was just, it was the most profoundly beautiful thing I've ever seen. And that's why I bawled for it. And it was like an eight hour, <laughs> it was like an eight hour streaming. So I was like, just constant bawling, but you know, and the men were crying too. So it wasn't just a woman thing. The men were crying too. And that made me cry more because when men cry, it's just like, <laughs> you know, but you know, it's like humble and hum so, so it's like, and that's just been in the past couple of weeks. Yeah. So of course Satan's going to come in and he's going to just cause this stuff to happen. That is absolutely mm -hmm. unreal. Like unreal. I have this really warrior fight spirit in me. And I feel like if I, I'm like, how do you videotape this guy being treated like that and not step in? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, you know, like I'm not judging, but I would have been probably one of those people beaten back by the police. Cause I wouldn't have just stand by and watched it. Yeah. Um, but what's happening because of it, mm -hmm. like there is righteous anger, which Jesus absolutely has in that situation. Mm -hmm. And then there's Satan taking it to a whole new extreme mm -hmm. that is not fruitful. And it's going to do everything in its power to stop unity and yeah. cause more division. So as the body of Christ in that situation, we need, we need to stand up in unity as the body of Christ before the world can see that and start standing together too. Totally. Is what yeah. And so that. Yeah, and I think too so much of it, and we were, we were kind of discussing this before, but I was also talking to another friend of mine about this, how so much of this has to do with parenting too, because how we raise our kids is going to, like, they'll see how we treat people and how we talk about people. And, um, and if you think about those police officers, like, who knows, maybe their parents raised them to think differently about, about black people. 
and and it may have been it may have even not been intentional but they you know as parents it's like we're called to to live a different way to show the way of christ and and that means like reconciliation it means and it means teaching our kids about the injustice that have happened and that's happening and and really being intentional with that too so well and i firmly believe like in in our in in because we have varying age groups but i definitely am that one school house mentality where so that it fits what they can what they can receive like i'm not going to tell them about the gore and the whatever i'm going to talk to them at the level but i i keep them informed but i keep them informed speaking god's truth in the situation right like this is this is scary and this is what happens but let's look at both sides and what's actually going on here what is the this and i yeah. for me in absolutely everything i pull god into it because you have to like what is the act it starts with what is the actual war like our war is not against flesh and blood that is not what's happening here we're seeing it in the physical but there is stuff happening in the spiritual and my kids are well aware of the spiritual realm like that's another thing that we do is we know ephesians 6 by heart and we read it out and we put on our armor yeah. every single day and hayes is two years old and he's doing the actions at the right time so you can start at any age uh you can start in the womb it's all good it's all good they they hear your voice it's science has proven they hear your voice right but it's just it's that yeah it starts in the family it for sure does and and even in those yeah you can look back into the history of all of the oppression and see that it started with the breakdown of family yeah Totally. You really can. And then the generational stuff that has come down because of it. And so there's a lot of repentance and forgiveness and, and all sorts of stuff that needs to go generationally back yeah. in order to, to combat this. But like I said, it starts with the church. It start, starts with the body of Christ because we're the ones that know. And then as we unify, then we're going to send the light and bring people into that unity, right? But if we're divided. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because one of the things that that I've kept, I've kept sensing in as a leader and as a pastor is everything that I want to see in my church needs to be present in my family first, yeah. and uh, and so I think because it's easy to have this idealistic kind of like world that I want everyone as a leader I want you to live this way or you to live this way whatever right but if I'm not embodying that with my family then like what's yeah. the point really and, and it's I've had some cool kind of revelation from God around around kind of the the key in a lot of ways to seeing god move in revival and all of this is to see it in our families like that's where it starts and so i think i think the conversation that we're gonna have today is extremely important uh, but the um i know that this is a bit of a bridge to to talking more about family but specifically in regards to covid 19 and in regards to being in you know i don't want to call it isolation it is for some people but i know that um that uh, it's definitely a change of pace. It's definitely being more at home. Um, but what have you felt like God is up to? First of all, we talked about in regards to the racial mess, but now in regards to to COVID nineteen, what are, what are some of the things that you think God is stirring in His church in you? And, uh, and I know you'll specifically bridge that to family, so I'll just let you go. <laughs> yeah. um, well, first of all, I just want to say. Um, the scenario that I'm talking about is somewhat of the best case scenario. Um, we know that with this COVID, like there are children that are at home that should not be at home. Mm -hmm. um, it's not their safe spot. That's yeah. not their safe place. School was their safe place. So this is by no means 
saying yeah. that it is it is a it has been a good thing for them but we most certainly are praying for them and um yeah trying to figure out how how do you protect that in this but me and my husband both the words that had come to us from god in this time was was family because mm -hmm. when when has there ever been a time where there's no extracurriculars they're like your children are at home with you and there's no other place that they can go and families like the table exists again right where families come together and they're having meals together and and we did say like in our because that's how our family runs so in our mind it's like yeah. the world is doing this now and it's like well the <laughs> internet didn't get shut down and neither did television so we're like yeah. we're like they're probably in separate rooms with their own phones because we do see that a lot right but we're like praying into best case scenario that people are actually putting down their phones talking to each other as human beings but we just saw this this mandate of you have nothing you have nothing else to distract you take this time to to solidify and we really felt this solidify your family because what is coming you're going to need to be strong and that the mandate is for the family to move out with power right like when you talk about the biblical mandate and how god was moving uh if not in the the new testament he he was he was converting families there was families being converted but starting with adam and eve it was a family mandate go forth and be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and and it was a family mandate noah was a family mandate abraham isaac jacob all of it god was blessing through family and and we've gone so far from that and have made it really individualistic because our culture is and even parents it's my faith and i'm like oh gosh as i was reading the old testament it's like every time in first and second kings every time you had this amazing king that finally realized they were doing bad turned to god in amazing ways did amazing things yeah but they didn't teach the next generation mm -hmm. and the next generation did more sin and more evil than any of the ones that followed and i just reading it broke my heart and convicted me even more is like this is it like this is it you need the most important thing in your entire life if you are a christian and you have children that like you were saying that is our mandate that is our first mission field is our children because they are the gift that has been given to us mm -hmm. right and there are so many dynamics within our culture that has broken that they've broken marriage they've broken family they've taken the proper um structure of the family and disintegrated like fathers oh gosh fathers and grandparents and all of those things that bring generational blessing and and they've been pushed to the side that we're going to talk about stumbling blocks and one of the biggest stumbling blocks is and i'm not against feminism i'm i'm for equality not one dominant but the fact that fathers have been given such a bad rap and they have so much to offer their spiritual strength just bears so much fruit in a family it's unbelievable unbelievable and i can talk to that because i grew up and did not want a father figure or did not have a good father figure and when i got married it was like you're not going to tell me what to do <laughs> but but as i grew as a christian it was like please please take the reins of this family because it's proper alignment and if i trust my husband that means i trust god because he's a godly husband and he's talking to god and I remember God had kind of con or convicted me at one point and he's like, do you actually trust me? Because if you believe that your husband is talking to me, then when I'm talking through your husband and you're, you're going, ah, I don't know about that, that means you don't trust me. 
And I'm like, oh, <laughs> right? So it's, it's these things that our culture, our culture has caused us to seep into proper alignment and godly alignment that God has for our families and, mm-hmm. and for us to move out in that, right? Totally. That's good. Um, so what, um, yeah, so why do you think it's so important? You've already spoken to this a little bit, but why is it so important for family to be a part of your spiritual life? Um, mm. as you're aware, this podcast is all about like spiritual practices. How do we embody the way of Christ so that we grow into the person of Christ? And, um, and I think you've kind of got, we're kind of having the conversation about how we involve, like how we parent that's part yeah. of it, but the other part of it is our own spiritual life. And so how, why do you think it's important for you as a parent to involve your family in your own growth and your own walk with God? Um, okay. So I don't want to say it's selfish. <laughs> I get, I, I couldn't come up with a good word, but there's hangry. And then there's like God hangry where I just, I get angry when I don't have enough time. With <laughs> and I just, so, so I'm like, okay, so I never used to be a morning person and I'm not saying you have to be, but I'm saying in order to pour out, you need to be filled. So I always have like right now I have quiet time from one till three. That was an invaluable thing a mentor of mine had given me as a gift before I even had children. She's like, set this time apart. Don't let anyone interfere with this time. And I'm like, okay. So that's when my children nap. That's when I have my time with the Lord. Um, but then I, I was finding that two hours just wasn't enough. So I wanted more. <laughs> so then I started to get up earlier. So from seven, my kids don't, they, they're usually up around 7.30, but they don't get out of their rooms to around 8.39 because some sleep, some don't. Um, so then I have from seven till nine and, and I found that cause I used to be, my head gets off the pillow as soon as they're out of their rooms and that just, the day did not go well. So now it's, I have that time in the morning with the Lord. Um, and that time looks like I'm either just laying, like it's Lord, you, this is your time. I'm not going to come with any agenda. This is your time. Um, whether I'm laying on the ground in front of him, whether I'm just listening to worship music, whether I'm reading my Bible, whether I'm reading a godly book, whether I'm dancing. Like I, I, my daughter has taught me that, uh, she, she prophetically dances like just beautiful. And I'm like, I'm not a dancer. And I'm like, Oh, but it looks so fun. So we just made flags and I, and so I, I actually warfare dance. Um, but, but so that's what that time is set apart for. But I find even those four hours is not enough time. And I'm like, how do I, what do I do with this? And he's like, expand it to your day, expand it to your day and bring them in. And I'm like, okay, what does that look like? So it's like, I, so you said for Bible verses and I have one that I, I took absolutely 100% literally. And I won't just read you the Bible verse, but I'll read you the commentary and, and why I love it so much. Um, so this is, I believe NIV life application Bible. So it's Deuteronomy six, um, starting in verse five. So love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home, when you go for walks along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your head or hands and bind them on your foreheads, write them on your door frames, over your houses and on your gates. And I literally, I have scripture everywhere. Um, We listen to worship music all the time and I talk about it all the time. We have something called um, the divine hours 
And we'll talk about that more in process, but it's beautiful. And I just read it to them every time we sit at the table and it's scripture. And it's to the point where they're like, Oh, I had that as an Awana verse or something like that. And then me and my husband both are in small groups and Bible studies and that sort of thing. And everything I learn, everything I learn, I come home and I'm like, did you know? That's like why I say, did you know? Cause I'm so excited about these new things. And we talk about it and we discuss it and they, they pull it in um, to themselves and then they can, they can have conversations. And as they grow, their conversations have just been unreal, just unreal. But it's, it's that, pull, like, like God said, pull them in to the things that you're wanting to do in your daily time, the things that you're wanting to do in your walk with me, pull them in. And, and my biggest purpose is that is if we don't teach them, if we don't teach our kids how to cook, they're, they're going to leave home and not know how to cook. If we don't teach them how to clean, they're going to leave home and not know how to clean. And there are some people like that out there. Mm -hmm. You're welcome to whoever my children marry. <laughs> But I'm just saying, if, if those things are so important, how much more so is this? Totally. Right? Yeah. That if we, don't, if we don't show them, and I remember for my quiet time, because I sit there with my Bible and my stickies and my Bible is completely covered and drawn in, and Avon had, had snuck out of her room, but she snuck out of her room with her Bible. And she's like, Mommy, I want to do what you do. And she opened up her Bible, and she's just sticking little sticky notes. She doesn't know what it means yet. And that's why I don't give her markers because I'm like, you don't get to mark your Bible until you know what you're reading. I'm like, you're only five. <laughs> but my boys, they'll come out and they're like, you know what? I got this verse and I, I, I need to look it up or where do you, where do you think this verse is? And they're highlighting it. And it's just, and that sort of thing just blows my mind every time. Cause I, that's what we're trying to foster. But when it happens, it's like, yes, it's all worth it. Right. It's the, it's that verse that you had given me. Don't, don't give up on do, on doing good. There will be a harvest. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, That's cool. but it's that, it's that filling yourself and, and filling your time with God so that you can pour out, but also the invite them into your disciplines. Yeah. It's, it's not meant to like, you know, even in my, I've, I've had my throne room times with God, my personal time with God, where I'm like this, and I get a little tug on my shoulder and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I am in the throne room right now and you're pulling me back. But you know, it's, so it's, even in those personal times. And, and I found, because um, we've lost so many children and our kids have been old enough to know. And I, I found uh, when Mariah had passed away and I was sitting there and they're like, mommy, this is such a good song. Sing this song. And I started singing it. Mm. And I started crying, like just bawling. And they're like, mommy, what's wrong? And I'm like, you know what? Mommy really misses Mariah. Um, I really miss, miss her, but I know where she is. And they're like, yes, mommy, she is just fine. And we are going to see her because then they, they, honest to goodness, they can speak that truth and that love and that, that truth about God back into you, mm -hmm. right? Because they, they know it at the very center of their core. They know it and they see it walked out, right? That's so good. Yeah, and I, it's, it's cool. It reminds me of uh, my friend Rob tells a story of when he, he was seeing Henry Nouwen speak. Yeah, I'm sure you, you're aware of this quote, oh. but um, uh, a mother at the end of his talk doing a Q&A was basically like, kind of just venting, well, not venting, just pouring out her heart and how she was just nervous about her son's spiritual walk and just feeling really like her son was distancing himself from God. And she asked Henry now and what, what she should do about it. And now and looks at her and he, he says, the best gift you can give your children is to be a growing person yourself. Absolutely. And uh, it just, 
Yeah, I think that that verse has always resonated with me and it really, I think, shines through in, in what you just said. And so I think hopefully some of you today will, will be encouraged by that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you, you've already alluded to one Bible verse that's been really yeah. important for you, but I'm just curious, what are some other um, uh, Bible verses that are important to you as you think about your walk with God and how you parent? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, I forgot to give you the life application version of okay. the commentary, so I'll read it. It was so good. I feel like I touched on it, but it was so good in their words. But God's education was life-oriented, not information-oriented. And that's kind of what I alluded to begin with. It's a relationship walked out. It's Because, you know, atheists read the Bible. Yeah. Satan knows the Bible, right? It's not just knowledge-based. And you hear that so many times. It's, I know about God, but I there's there's a knowing that's a lot deeper than the knowing, right? And we all know that. Um, so the Hebrews, they use the context of daily life to teach about God. The key to teaching your children to love God is stated simply and clearly in that verse that I read is just everywhere. Have it everywhere. Mm -hmm. But you must make God a part of your everyday experience. You must teach your children diligently to see God in all aspects of life, mm -hmm. not just those that are church-related. And uh, yeah, so... That's big. Joel is another, um, another one. And it's that it's just, it's a re repetition of that Joel one, three, and it's tell your children, tell your children and their children and their children's children. <laughs> but I, I think there's something to that. And it's, um, I was actually talking about this uh, on our Monday small group and then women's group yesterday. And it's this generational. And this is where I bring back in grandparents, like godly grandparents have such a role, like your role is not done. You have such a role in your children because your faith walk. And then even yourself, like I say to my kids, I am not perfect. I'm like, and they, they know a little bit of my, my walk coming, coming to know Christ. And I'm like, mommy is not perfect. That is not, that's not what's happening here. I'm like, I am growing in Christ. So mommy, mommy has points when she's not perfect and that's okay. And I feel like that's a stumbling block for a lot of parents too. They think they have to be perfect and then they can walk it out. Mm -hmm. But it's in that struggle and it's in that truth and in, it's in that journey that your kids can, it's the same as mentoring. It's, it's in those broken places that you reach broken people, mm -hmm. knowing that it isn't perfection, but it's our sin and our fallenness yet overcoming it, yet going, growing towards God, yet wanting to do that. So, so the invaluableness of your grandparents and other elders within your church and other godly people and them, them being able to see it and walk out and know their stories is just amazing. And that's, it says to pass their history down to their children, telling over and over and over the important lessons. And, and I was saying uh, yesterday, I'm like, I tried to find a scripture of God telling people to just remember, remember the things that God has done. And, and he goes to me, he goes, you know, that's the whole Bible, right? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. It isn't just one scripture. It's the whole scripture. God is telling us, remember mm -hmm. the good I have done. Remember. But then our lives is not 2000 years ago scripture. It's this is what God did yesterday. Totally. This is what God did today. And, and I feel like, yes, there is such grounding in the 2000 years ago and, and the history of the church that we can hold on to. But our hearts wrap around the, this is my God alive and living today and mm -hmm. what he is doing today. And it just, it fires you up. It just empowers you and fires you up. And mm -hmm. so, so those are some scriptures. And then Psalms, obviously the Psalms are all in there. Um, hmm. 
So Psalm 34, 11 says, teach them the fear of the Lord. And, and we know that that's, a, that's an awe, right? Not a be terrified by him. It's an, it's an awe and this overwhelming, passionate love mm-hmm. for God. And it's, it's teach them that. But like you said, if we have not experienced that, how do we teach it to them? Mm-hmm. Um, Psalm 78, 4 We will not hide them from our descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. And that's that reflecting and just constantly having it around them. Mm -hmm. Um, Psalm 103, but the um, 17 to 18, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant Mm -hmm. and to those who remember his commandments and do them. So it's that walking it out, right? Proverbs 22, 6, start children off. And it's, it's that lead them in the way everlasting, start them off in the right direction, and they will not abandon that. And, and to me, it's, it's still, it's that relationship versus just the knowledge. Like I feel to me that that verse convicts me of, it's not just teach them um, what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. The, the the Bible history. I don't want to call them stories because they're real. The Bible history, but you need to actually teach them the relationship. And mm-hmm. you teach them that relationship and they will not go from it, right? Mm-hmm. Ephesians 6, 4, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's that whole, they are, they are our disciples, right? Like we have a disciple mandate as Christians to go out and evangelize. They are our first disciples that God felt fit to give us. Mm. right so that's where we start that's where we start um yeah and deuteronomy 410 remember what the lord has done and teach it to your children and grandchildren and i and that's that same thing about the generational like god is all about the generational blessings Mm -hmm. and it comes from generational mentorship Mm because blessings aren't necessarily physical like blessings it's the this is where you don't want to go this is where you want like that 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 walk and that information and that love because when you can see God's love poured out generation to generation to generation, it's a beautiful thing. Totally. Right? Like it's, yeah. yeah. So those are some of my favorite, but the whole Bible. Absolutely. Yeah. It's cool. While you were sharing that, I kind of had two, two quick illustrations with my daughter. So we, uh, she's two and a half now. So just very like, just the, I think it's the funnest age. So like, it's just been a blast having her. Um, but the, uh, the other day I, we were walking and, and I like kind of sprained my ankle and my initial response is, you know, I did the whole Christian, you're like, ah, oh, shoot. Like I literally just said, shoot. And then she goes, what's shoot daddy? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what I say. And the other thing is like that we've noticed since I bought her like an Oilers jersey when she was really little, just cause I love, I really enjoy the Oilers. And so, and, and it's funny cause now whenever I wear my Oilers jersey, she wants to wear her Oilers jersey and now her whole new thing is like she wants to match us whenever she yes. can, right? And so if my wife's wearing a plaid shirt, she wants to wear her plaid shirt. If I'm wearing my striped shirt, she wants to wear her striped shirt. If I'm wearing my Camp Caroline shirt, she wants to wear her Camp Caroline <laughs> And it's that whole sense of like our kids see us. They, they see how we live. They see how we dress. They see how we act. And they want they want to carry that out. And I they want to they, – they kind of have this innate desire in them to, to be like us, especially from Absolutely. such a young age. And so I think it really raises the, it really, um, like one of the things I'm thinking about is like, we're, we're discipling our kids, whether we think. Know we it or not. <laughs> exactly. And so I think one of the, 
as you were sharing those scriptures, I was just reminded of like, we're constantly forming our children and we have this amazing um, role in their life. And, um, and, and we, yeah, the question is, are we, are we worth following? Like, are we worth becoming? Like, I think it's, it's an important question to ask. Like the apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Like how many of us as parents could say, I hope my, I hope my kid, you know, it turns out to be like me, you know, like in complete yeah. sincerity. But I think we look through the whole scriptures. That's kind of like Jesus' plan, right? Like his plan is through a family. I'm going to bless the whole world. And then whenever that family was parenting well, they were being a blessing. But when they stopped, they weren't. And so, yeah, I think it's important that we think of how, yeah, not not if we're discipling our kids, but what are we discipling our kids in? And who are we discipling our kids to become? I think yeah. it's really the question that we need to be asking. Um, so yeah, let's get a little bit practical. Um, not that we haven't been, but one of the the things I want to talk about specifically today is some of the obstacles. Um, yeah. I think it. Uh, <laughs> you you literally said this before we talked, but one of the one of the easy responses when when we're hearing from someone like you, Amanda, is well, that's just for you. This is great yeah. for you, but I, you know, like I have a a two month old who will not let me sleep ever. And, or I have four kids all under 10 or, you know, like there's so many different, I don't want to call them excuses. I was really intentional. Not, I don't want to call them excuses. Cause I think there, there's a legitimate aspect of that has to do with stage of life and yeah. what God's inviting us into in, in stage of life. And the last thing I want to do is someone who's feeling under guilt or shame in oh, of life to have that increase. And so, um, yeah, so what, what, let's just kind of think about some of the obstacles that parents may be facing, uh, in, in regards to growing their own spiritual life and helping foster their children's spiritual lives. And, and what are some of the ways that you have helped over, you've kind of seen, you can overcome these obstacles. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, a really big thing is, is the pressure that the world kind of puts on you. Right. Um, and even in a, like absolute where you say game or where you're saying about the, the, the shame and the guilt and the, you don't know what you don't know till you know it. Yeah. So you can't apply it until you know it. And, and, and that can like parent guilt starts right at the beginning, right? It starts right at the beginning. And, and so, yeah, we want to get rid of shame and guilt from any of this. Mm-hmm. any of this talk right here because I have had a lot of people say to me you know I'm not you I can't I can't do what you do I'm not you and and like I said my biggest heart is to to say or to prove I'm like it's not me <laughs> like it's, yeah. it has nothing to do with me and it is nothing to do it, it has everything to do with God because and I feel like in order to show that I've gone through many 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 things that are different scenarios in order to say it is not me uh, and and it can be done, right? Like, like I was saying beforehand, um, I was a mom with a toddler, or with yeah, with a toddler and pregnant and working full time, and my husband was away. And what do you do in that situation, right? How do you how do you step forward in that situation um, when you have multiple children? Because I now have four kids, and even in amongst that, and job moving, and people moving, and church moving, and all of these things. Um, where do you go? How, how do you create this atmosphere where you can grow and learn and be with Christ, right? And it, for me, it was always the thought of the best place to have started would have been before I even had kids. And just like, if you are single and not, and not engaged yet, or even looking at marriage, start with your, your disciplines there. But who, like, 
can we be honest? Not everybody starts there. Some people start when they're in the marriage, like just newly married and all the amazing stuff about that. But if you can start there, start there. But, but really God just wants to, to start where you're at. And these obstacles, I believe not only are they legitimate obstacles, but there are spiritual obstacles. And, and to me, that is the biggest fight. Mm-hmm. Um, because Satan doesn't want this. He doesn't want a godly marriage. He doesn't want a godly family. He most certainly does not want you teaching your children about Christ. Mm-hmm. So it will be contended for. And in a culture that absolutely loves busy, mm-hmm. right? Like I, there's these amazing books, the, the ruthless elimination of hurry and to hell with the hustle. And they're, they're convicting. Um, and they convicted me. Like I got rid of quite a few things, but I had already kind of walked, um, kind of chopping things off of the busyness of my life. Cause I was convicted of that before even reading those books, but it's this culture of busy that absolutely is, is trying to make you go everywhere in every direction. And we know that that's from Satan. God is not chaotic. God is strategic and he is, it's, it's a blessing. It's not a burden and a curse, right? So we need to, if anything, we need to be really aware of the fact that um, it needs to be contended for. It, it is going to be hard. And that's, and that's the biggest thing is it's walking it out. You feel like it is so hard. It is hard to get started. Anytime you have a new thing that you're wanting to implement, it, it is contended for. But knowing that God is fighting for you and knowing that when there's that release, it is amazing in the blessings that pour down. But it is true. You need to put on your armor. You need to be ready to come out as a warrior. Even if you don't have a warrior spirit, I feel like you need to in this day and age. You need to just ask for that and ask for that strength to move forward in these things. But you do need to contend with them and you need to be willing Mm -hmm. to give up what God is calling you to give up in order to walk those things out, Mm -hmm. um, if that makes sense. Um, But a lot of the obstacles, I'd say, you know, when you got a brand new baby, it's that sleep when they sleep and, and, and do whatever. But you can still... We have that, I, I know, I think, I, I think you have that book too, Donovan, that blessing their spirit. Mm-hmm. Like, God sees that. You, you are praying over your child. You are blessing their spirit. And, and let me be honest, it is blessing yours. Mm-hmm. Like, because you learn things. As an, the Jesus Storybook Bible. I was bawling. I cry all the time. You know, <laughs> I was bawling, but there was parts in there. This is a kid's Bible. This is a kid's storybook. But the truth in there was so beautiful and I was learning stuff from them. So it's just invite them in when you're reading, get godly storybooks so that you're learning when they're learning. And even when they're brand new baby and you're praying over them, just take that time when you're woken up and, and this I've been convicted of when you're woken up at three in the morning <laughs> to go and sit with your baby, to feed them, pray, mm. pray and have a conversation with God. You're up already. <laughs> right. And just, you know, and, and I know you have talked about that Donovan, but the, even the looking at your child and having that relationship and how that brings you to the heart of God for you, mm-hmm. how he sees you, all of these things are you learning and coming to God. If you just invite him into that day, in that moment, in that night, mm-hmm. and just say, Lord, just, I want you here. And yeah. he will show up in amazing ways because mm-hmm. you do not need to, and I'm not saying don't read your Bible, but I'm saying you do not need to be sitting like this in front of your Bible and letting that be your time with the Lord. That is not what he's asking, mm-hmm. right? If you can get worship music playing all the time, if you can get um, podcasts on the radio, if you can just sit and just enjoy the blessing that he has given you, but know that Holy Spirit is there. 
we have these books, open my eyes to the spiritual, whatever is going on around me, Lord. When I go out and walk, we started that with our kids when they were little. Mm -hmm. Ask God, pray with them. When you go for your walk with your kid, when you get outside, but ask God, show me you in this creation, mm -hmm. right? And that is Bible study. That is your time with the Lord. It can be when you're, I think, who was it? Was it Augustine? I don't know if it was Augustine. It was, it was some sort of monk, monk. Brother Lawrence. That would, yes, Brother Lawrence that would do the dishes. Yeah. And people would be in awe and like worshiping on the floor because he was doing the dishes, but he invited God in. Right? And that's what I just want to say to every mom, every dad, because it's not just moms, but every mom and every dad yeah. in every stage. Mm -hmm. I'm like, just invite God in. And I still, I, I talk to older people and say that some that are like, oh, but I love sports, but I feel like God doesn't, God gave you that love as a gift to you. Just invite, invite him to watch hockey with you. I'm like, if it becomes over, overarching and obsessive, that's one thing. But if it's just, I'm enjoying this, allow him to enjoy it with you and spend that time with him. That's right. Awesome. It's, it's so easy when we change our mindset to just invite him in. Yeah. And then I, I even want to say to the tiredness, cause I, I've, I've talked to a couple people. It's, it's been coming up lately, but that tiredness, like I'm, I'm tired during my day or I just, I don't have anything. Mm -hmm. The Jewish day begins the evening before. Mm -hmm. So I, I just want you to sit with that. When we pray, knowing that God is starting, he's going before us into our day. Mm -hmm. So when we pray, Lord, whatever you have for that next day, knowing that most of that day you're sleeping. Mm -hmm. So you can invite him into that Lord. And we pray that over our kids, give us dreams, give us visions, give us whatever you want from you while we're sleeping and go throughout our day. Cause he will minister to you in your sleep mm -hmm. and you will feel rested and fulfilled when you wake up in the morning and then have a whole new. So it's like, just invite him in all of those obstacles, the sleep and the, the children and just, Throw everything else to the side and just invite them in. Invite them in, right? That's, I think that's the, the biggest thing we need to know is just invite them in. Yeah, that's so good. Um, another obstacle that I'm thinking about is uh, like awkwardness. Now, I know especially for like married couples who may not have kids yet, or if you've been married for a while and you have kids, but you haven't really ever had spiritual conversations, like what would you say to help them overcome some of that? Like it almost can feel awkward or strange at first. Like what kind of like, do you have any like tips or any thoughts? About yeah. Well, and, and find, you know, for our kids to bring up a lot of good conversation, find, um, depending on the age of your kid, find a book. Right. Start with the if they're younger, find that Jesus storybook Bible where it talks about God's truth. And kids have questions. Yeah. Kids will have questions. And, yeah. you know, and do not be afraid to say, I don't know, but let's find out. Right. Let's see what the Bible says about right now. We're reading a series with my my boy. Well, with all my kids. And it's called Prince Warriors um, by Patricia Schreier. I think her name is. Uh, <laughs> but it's about it, it's a it's an amazing story. It's all about the armor of God. Cool. And out of that, we have got, and, and it's the, it's the walking it out, right? The spiritual world plus the physical world and walking it out. But the questions mm -hmm. that we have gotten from that and, and um, any Bible study really, like we do the Awana course and it just is full of scripture, mm -hmm. but any small little kind of Bible study you can do even at nighttime, like we do um, evening when daddy's home, we do like a group reading of either the Bible or, or that book. We try to find biblical stories so that they can all be engaged, but the questions that, that come out of it are really good and really deep. And, and 
it's okay to say, I don't know. And let's find out and bring it, bring it forward. But when you find a, a book or um, something that's kind of at their level, mm-hmm. it's easier to engage those conversations. But I think when we're awkward with our kids, it kind of shows a little bit mm-hmm. more about the dynamic of our family. <laughs> right. And, I, and that's not to cause shame and guilt, but oh, live open. like we were saying before, live open. Yeah. Right. Live open with your kids. Um, you know, not about stuff that's not age appropriate, but live open with them with your, you know, mommy doesn't know that yet or daddy doesn't know that yet, but I'm willing to learn with you. Yeah. Um, I'm more willing to go on this journey with you. I'm willing to mm-hmm. right and just find, find books that kind of open up more of the conversations or find um, Bible studies that engage at that, at those different ages, but just get the conversation going. And, and, we found this really good book called here comes heaven. And it's all about the spiritual. Um, we've started that in our morning because in the morning we, we start with worship and then opening up to hearing God's voice and listening to him. And it's like, you know what, what, what is God saying to you during this worship song? Like, what does he highlight? Is it a word? Is it a picture? Is it a, and just start the conversation off that way. But like you said before, it has everything to do with what, how is your spiritual walk? Like, are you doing these things? Are you implementing these things? And for me, it's, I'm so on fire about all of those things that I can't help not have my children totally. know about it and walk out in it, right? It's Well, I think, like you said, so much of this has to do with relationship, right? Mm-hmm. It's not about just making sure our kids know all the right things. It's about inviting them into a relationship. And, yeah. and I think our, our relationship with our kids is mm-hmm. just as important in how we we practice spirituality with them. Yeah. Like if, if our relationship with them is kind of off or if it's like there's things between us then I think it'd be really hard for us to practice our spirituality together. But if we're walking in healthy openness and like, yeah, just really, I think functioning as God's inviting us into, I think that, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to, he's going to make it pretty clear kind of what he's inviting us into. I think because mm-hmm. it's, that's the other thing I think I've really, I really sense to say is like, start where you're at as parents. Yeah. You know, um, it may be something as simple as just praying together at night every day and starting there. Um, it may be as simple as if you have older kids, like just asking them questions. Yeah. Learning to say kind of, what are you, what's going on in your heart really? Like, and again, I think, cause as we grow in relationship with our, with our kids, I think that that'll open up opportunities to practice spirituality together. Um, well, and to, and to, to me, it's that, um, that family dynamic that I didn't really have growing up, but I want, I want that openness. Like I said, not just in our God relationship and that faith, but in our family, like I want, I want us to be, I, I don't want to say the cool parents that they never want to walk away from, but they're already saying they want to build houses right next to me and never leave me. And I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's even, even the dynamic of my children. Yeah. Um, that was one thing when my, when my boys were little, they're two years apart, but and whether it was the personality of my older son um, and the willingness of my younger, but the relationship that they have fostered. Mm-hmm. And I can't say it has, ed- it has had anything to do with me except for don't wrestle too hard or don't, but the, the relationship they had was one of the reasons we also homeschooled upon many others, but I could not even fathom separating them for eight hours a day because they were best friends and they still are to this day, best friends. Yeah. And right. And we're, and we're fostering that relationship mm-hmm. of, of unity and best friends. And, and like you were saying to the get rid of that stuff in between, we bring another dynamic into our home because I'm all about the healing prayer. 
Um, so we literally, um, at the end of each week, we do, we cut off ungodliness. We, we forgive each other. We, we bring all of the sin and all of the stuff that is built up throughout that week in our relationships and we cut it off. Um, and we clean it up. So I'm even giving them the, the verbiage or the vocabulary for, for forgiveness and repentance. And, um, there's another great book, um, in parenting, like discipline, because discipline is, is godly and it's called shepherding a child's heart. Mm. And it's all about bringing them to God and the discipline and the why behind it, mm. the, the listening and the obeying and the not lying. And it's all about drawing them into God's heart and the reason we have this discipline. And then, and then instead of putting rifts in the relationship between the child and the parents because of discipline, yeah. it's actually drawing them closer together and dealing with forgiveness and repentance. And it's such, it's, it was, it was absolutely the book that we wanted for our parenting because it was not what I grew up with <laughs> at all. It wasn't, <laughs> right? but uh, yeah. 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 Well, yeah, it's been a really good conversation. I look forward to uh, hearing a bit more from you in the near future. But uh, before we wrap up today, like there's been a lot of different things people could grab from everything. We yeah. Said, but if there's one thing that you could really invite our listeners into um, in response to what we've been talking about today, what would you say that is? Yeah. And I, I really feel this is extremely important and it's the God had a vision for your family. Mm before the world was even created, he, he brought you and your husband together. He gave you the exact kids that he wanted to see in your family and he has created your family. So anything that I have said, anything Donovan has said, um, like King Hezekiah, bring it before the Lord and say, Lord, what do you have for me? Like these spiritual disciplines that, that we're gonna talk about, they are all good and godly things, but Lord, which one do you want me to implement now? Which one do you, do you see our family? What is our family mission? What is our family mandate? How does that look for us? Because that will be different. You have different personalities within your family. You have different, a different mandate over your family as how he wants to walk out your mission. So I would just take all of it with a grain of salt, bring it all before the Lord and ask him, what do we do? And baby steps. You don't know what you don't know until you know it. And, <laughs> and baby steps. And then, and then, just cover it with prayer and, and realize that it will be contended for, but it's worth it, right? And, and even if you don't know how to pray into that, bring a community around you that knows how to pray into that and pray for you and your family because that is what God calls us to as well as that community. The, the grandparents that are godly that have this, the, the faith community around you that you see godly people with godly fruit that, you know, mentorship, all of those things and have them pray over you and help you with this. But yeah, take what God is calling you to do in this and, and not just what I say. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I know we'll have you on again. <laughs> not a problem. And thank you so much. I love you all. <laughs> well, I hope that you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I know that that was a lot of fun. Um, you could probably tell Amanda and I are pretty good friends. We just, we have a really similar heart to see Christ, um, yeah, to see Christ at work in our families, in our church. Um, she is one of those people that I really see as um, just a champion of, of for Christ. And um, the way that she encourages others and the way that she lives her life is just exemplary. And so I really wanted to have her share her story with us. And so I hope that you've been encouraged. I hope that you feel equipped. And ultimately, we hope that you put this into practice and really see your life and your family grow in their walk with Christ. Thank you for joining us and look forward to the next few weeks. Blessings.